Welcome to the Speakeasy and our new sit-down interview series called Whiskey Made Me Say It. We will interview the most interesting and humorous golfers, whiskey makers, and enthusiasts and enjoy their perspective on life. Sit back and enjoy Whiskey Made Me Say It. Hey there, speakeasy people. This is Brian Bailey here bringing you a new episode of Whiskey Made Me Say That. We're uh, getting ready to kind of, we're doing our special interview section off of this. We're going to drop these on the weekends inside of our podcast. And of course, you can find them inside of Fuel where you're probably watching today. Um, so this is Brian Bailey here once again bringing you a new episode. And we have a new guest, uh, Rob Fails, who's a coach here inside of the Charlottesville area. I actually, he works with my son, so that tells you what regard I hold him in <laughs> and how miserable he must be working with my son. But uh, Rob, I'll give you about 26 seconds. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a graduate of Clemson University's PGA Golf Management Program. Grew up in Harrisonburg, Virginia, about an hour away. Um, started teaching full-time with Jason Sutton at Carmel Country Club down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And after about four years, met my wife, decided that we needed to come back and get up closer to this area. So the the uh, player development leader position opened up at Boar's Head Resort and decided to jump on it. So here I am now. Awesome. And I, I told uh, Hunter, who's kind of a head of instruction, yes, yeah. uh, uh, came into Charlottesville. Then Rob came in right behind him. And I said we went from the state of Virginia having very few really good coaches to two of them in my backyard instantaneously, which is kind of nice. So, uh, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm not going to hand my kid over to anybody. And <laughs> Rob's been spectacular in, in helping my son uh, become a little bit better. Yeah, but great. the one thing Rob knows nothing about. Zero. Is this right here. <laughs> so he didn't really want to come talk. He was like, I want to come talk, talk, talk about drinking whiskey. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about golf, a little bit about life and things like that. And we're going to sample. We are in our Irish month. So I don't know. Rob's got red hair. He's got to have some Irish yeah, or some Scottish. Go. He's got to have something <laughs> in him somewhere. So, so this will be taking him back to his roots. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take him on a little journey. We're going to go from uh, Tillamadu to Bushmill uh, to Redbreast. So we're going to kind of give him the gamut on Irish whiskeys, and again, all pretty tame. Um, Telemadur is probably my- That was by request. <laughs> this is probably my favorite for mixing. It's, it uh -huh. stands on its own, but it, that uh, Bushmill's good just to have. This is actually finished, Bushmill Black is finished in sherry, so you'll get a sweet taste. And then probably my favorite of all the Irishes is Redbreast 12, you can't go wrong. I've never given that to anybody and them not um, quasi enjoy it. So now, do you grab these from the upstairs bar, or are these already down? Oh, no, we have we have the. I, I've heard that there's two different. Yeah, we we have two <laughs> levels of bars. Uh, yes, uh, upstairs is a lot of our higher end Irishes and the and the whiskeys that my wife likes, and all the clear all the clear spirits. Oh, yeah, I like clear spirits. Um, all the browns basically are down here, except for the few that we have upstairs. So yeah, this is more my the bourbon bin. Irish whiskeys. We have some upstairs, but yes, we do have two bars. <laughs> Makes it sound like I have a problem, but honestly, I don't. Uh, honestly, I only drink maybe once, twice a week. No, that's like for entertaining when people come. Yeah, then... well, we just kind of, we don't want to walk yeah. downstairs all the time. Right. So, no, yeah. no, no, so those are usually our better when we have people over, the mix scenes and things like that. So uh, this is more down and dirty um, whiskey tasting. And, and we're getting ready to add some new shelves and start displaying some new bottles and like, you know, everything. It's always, always changing and hopefully getting better. Um, so let's start right out the gate. Um, like absolutely, uh, we're gonna start, start here, here, down. Yeah, yes. So 
Tillamadu, uh, Bushmill, and then we're going to Redbird. So the first thing you do is always smell it and, and try to see if you can get any flavors off it. If you're new, don't worry about it. You can say it smells like fire. It's fine. <laughs> um, but over time, you'll, you'll start to appreciate it. I can de you can definitely smell some alcohol. I'm remembering. I got that part. Yeah, yeah. There's, you, with, you can definitely tell. Yeah. Now, now just put that one down yep. and then come back here to Redbreast, which is your third. And do you smell alcohol in that one? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, but definitely different flavors though, right? Yeah, no. Oh, man. Now go back to that one. I got to remember what I smelled. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. This is how it's like much feel, of a newbie I am. This is like feeling it's like Exactly, it's right? Like We're going from slope. four yeah. to two right yeah, now. Yeah, man. I, I took you to something that's pretty complex to something that just is going to be less. All right. So, so again, it's awesome. No, this is, trust me, when I first started, I was like, my wife has a wonderful palate. This she, might be the first whiskey I may have ever had. Okay. Oh, that's really new. <laughs> my, my wife can rip a, a whiskey apart in seconds yeah. and talk about everything. And I'm like, yeah. smell like sugar. It does. <laughs> you know, sorry. So... So when you taste, you want to put a little bit in your mouth yeah. and kind of just swish it around. Yeah. Don't really look for taste. Know it's going to burn. Yeah. It's alcohol. Take it down, and then your second sip will be a little bit bigger than that. You just want to squash around and leave it in your mouth for a couple minutes, or okay. not minutes, but for a little bit of time, and then see if you can pull any flavors out of it. Okay. In worst case, you just like it tastes like fire water. Taste anything other than alcohol? Caramel? Yeah, I would say, yeah. Um, traditionally, honey, vanilla. You can even look at my cheat sheet up in there from the other tasting notes from the other night. These are the, the, Those would be your common. Yeah. Uh, if we go bourbon, you'll get a lot more caramel, mm -hmm. but you're getting the oak and the vanilla, and you're getting the sweetness from the malt. Yeah. And also, these are always malty, so they use barley. Uh, predominantly, mm -hmm. you can tell my mouth is a little dry. It's got that dry finish to it. Um, so yeah, you'll start to get like cereal flavors. But yeah, I would definitely wow. go caramel. I can taste the vanilla now. I think now. Yeah. So now you know there's vanilla. Now you can tell that there's yeah there's you know some some different cereals and whatnot. So now taste it again and think of vanilla and cereal and kind of like Cheerios or you know things like that. Mm. That's super interesting how like you put you you like you said you just like put it in your mouth yeah. and then while it's in there it's changing. Yes. It completely changes. So it's really weird. Where most people go wrong when they drink whiskeys and I was like this for 30 years of my life is take a shot of whiskey, pour it, throw it back. And mm. it just all you get is the burn cuz right. you don't take the time to taste. So when it sits in your mouth and the saliva in your mouth and all is interacting, yeah. takes away a lot of the burn. So it did, you, yeah. yeah. So it does like more burning on the tongue, yeah. not burning like down in my throat. Right? So when you go really high proof whiskeys, you can add a drop or two of water and that'll bring the proof of the whiskey down oh, and make it burn less. Yeah. So a lot of times when people cut it with water, it's actually, so same here, if you put this on top of ice or we dropped water in it, it would change the flavor profile. So anytime that you do anything to it, kind of creates it. But the really cool part, this is a, Good low entry. Yeah, like I said, you can make old fashions, whiskey sours. Like this thing can you? Like I said, I don't mind sitting down and drinking one of these. At neat, just a glass. 
But to me, again, Irishes are very friendly. Mm -hmm. They don't burn. Like, I can mm -hmm. give you a bourbon, you'll be like, like <laughs> fire. Like, but they, they, it's interesting, yeah, because I had, I think I had like bullet bourbon one time. Yeah. And it just destroyed. I was like, I'm never going to have like dark liquor again. <laughs> we, we, we got bullet in there. We'll have to test them later. No, no. I think but I was probably, you're drinking yeah. it wrong. I yeah. was just putting it, like, it was yeah, just going you, right down the hatch. They're not shots, you know. You can create yeah. shooters with them, but. When you actually shoot, especially a higher alcohol content whiskey, it's gonna burn. If you don't don't give that time to kind of dance around in your mouth, yeah, it's gonna hurt. Yeah, and that's the way. The majority of people that drink whiskey just take it. It's and that's, not that's what it's designed to be. And that's why, like taking shots, I guess, is kind of like that's why it's a deal. Like, a, like a, not a big deal, but like that's why it's a thing because yep. it's like. All right, we're gonna make ourselves hurt right now. Like, yeah, well, like usually when you do shots, you're drinking for a reason. Like I sit down, and I like to sit down and, and enjoy flavors and that. When you're starting to do shots, mm -hmm. you tend to have a different plan for the night. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different intention. Yes, yeah. your intention is elsewhere. It is not that yes. I'm gonna sit down with some friends, enjoy conversation, yes. and and have a couple drinks. It's yeah, let's see if I can start dancing on the bar in another 35 <laughs> minutes, right? You know, it's, it's that, it's that intention has definitely changed. So, again, this is kind of your entry point. Very, to me, one of my favorite, like I said, I think uh, Telemordor was probably that and Jameson Orange, which is a, a flavored whiskey. Um, we do have that. It's got a lot of orange peel in it, so it tastes mm -hmm. a lot like orange. So it's like a cocktail without a cocktail. Mm -hmm. Those were probably my gateways into starting to mm -hmm. appreciate whiskeys. Um, so overall thoughts on that? What did you take away from that? A lot nicer than I thought it was going to be. A lot nicer than I thought you it was going to be. I, I wasn't getting punched in the face. Of course not. None, none of these will punch you. Like I said, if you want to do a little sample, I can punch you at the very end. <laughs> just to bring you back to reality. Um, so so just let's just talk about... Because here I've just gotten cocky, right? I felt slow for the first time. I rolled in a 20-footer. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is easy, I, right? I nailed it. <laughs> All of them are going to taste like this. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's the beauty of it. But, but again, concept-wise, I know... Um, so you did do the PGA, PGM program. Yes. Uh, and then did you always know you wanted to coach? or 100%. Yeah, uh -huh. even... Really, before I got into Clemson, I already knew that because I just, throughout playing junior golf, and I always felt like, in playing high school golf in particular, like my, my teammates, my friends would always, they see that I had a good swing, and they said, oh, of course, if he's got a good swing, then he must know how to teach, right? <laughs> so yeah. I would, they would end up asking me for advice, and it felt good to be asked. Gotcha. And... When I would, again, I have no idea what I was telling them way back in high school. It was probably garbage, but <laughs> more placebo stuff, right? Like yeah. they would happen to hit a good one, and then I'd be like, oh, that was cool. Yeah, that was that me. Was, that <laughs> was me, right? <laughs> that was me. And so I just sort of fell in love with the idea of helping other people improve. Yeah. And whenever they would come in and shoot a good score, I would always find that I'd be like more pumped for them than I was for my own score. And so yeah. like that was kind that's of a cool. clue early early on that that's kind of where I wanted to go. And then throughout the semester, like different semesters, we would always have an intro to teaching class. Like we'd yeah. have intro level one teaching, level two, level three, and those classes always flew by. Yeah. I was always the way more engaged in those classes. I was asking questions. I was there, a little bit of banter back and forth with the professor and, all my other classes, I was just like, 
cart fleet management? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Um, and the reason so, I'm not a PGA pro. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, and that just carried over to my internships. I, I always asked the pro that I was, like the head teacher that I was at, the club I was at, if I could go and watch him teach. And Eric Clayton was the yeah. first person that that was with, and that was at CCV. And he and I are still great friends to this day. We're even going to do a podcast. And so oh, it's cool. just like... I, the relationships I've built through coaching have been so much more rewarding and it's been so just so great um, relative to the other parts of the job. Don't worry about it. That's the backup camera shit. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. That's the one that killed me last night. <laughs> I had technical difficulties last night. Yeah. It absolutely ripped me. That's yeah. the culprit. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's interesting. So coaching was all, did you want to try to play professionally? Was that ever a thought? Or? Way, way earlier way on. Early. Yeah. Way earlier on, yeah. And what about play collegiately? Was that a goal? That was definitely a goal. Um, I knew that even though I was going to play in college, I knew I was going to want to coach eventually. Yeah. And I didn't have, I had no idea about the PGM program. Yeah. Um, actually, a, a buddy of mine that um, I played high school golf against at my home course went and did the one in New Mexico State. And okay. I had no idea about it until he went. Um, cause I was trying to get recruited to all these different colleges to play golf. And I was like, all right, well, what am I going to do? And then when I learned that, Hey, I can go and literally study golf in college. Yeah. I was like such a, such a no brainer for me. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, uh, and then you said you kind of came out and where was your first real, where'd so, you get your chops? I got, first I got very, very lucky. Um, I, as a senior in college, I signed up for Jason Sutton's guru workshop. It was in, it was in it. Charlotte. Uh, that was um, a pretty easy drive from Clemson. Yeah. And, uh, and actually, even before that, um, he and Kevin Britt and mm. Alan Burton, they all came down to Clemson to do a teaching seminar. Um, that was my very first introduction to Aimpoint because they showed us some things there. Um, That's cool. But, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, they, they asked a very simple question to, in the first five minutes of the seminar. Raise your hand if you want to teach full time. And I was the only person who raised my hand in the whole class. Yeah. And so when that was, when they only saw my hand go up, then they all remembered me. And so then afterwards, like we all went to Esso Club, which if you've ever been to Clemson, you got to go to the Esso Club. Um, I just was sitting down and they, like we all sat at the same table. It was me and Jason and Kevin and Alan. And we just hit it off. Yeah. Um, developed that relationship right off the bat so that when I went to the Guru Workshop, uh, he had already seen me before, uh, which was great. And uh, I reached out because I didn't have a six-month internship at the time. Yeah. And I said, hey, like, I'm looking for an internship. I, I want to get into teaching. I'd love to watch you teach. I'll even work in the shop. So originally, I was going to work in the shop at Carmel, and Jason was able to uh, pull me out of the shop and make me a, a teaching intern, which was yeah. something that they had for me. Um, and then I guess I did a good enough job through that to where he um, actually it was great timing because one of the teachers there left. And then I just kind of went right kinda into that role. Right so pretty unprecedented, I, as far as I'm aware, to start coaching full-time right out of college. Usually you kind of have to work your way into that. Yeah. Um, but b to be able to go out and just absolutely, I'm going to say murder, like not murder, but like really mess people up. Oh, we murder people at, all the time. <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> at that age, at that really young age, uh, I, th I think I got a head start on the learning curve. Yeah. Um, and then I, again, the people that he would have come in, like I was getting James Ridyard to come in and do a school, my second year teaching, you know, other guys like Scott Cox yeah. went in and, and did a certification. So I got access to a lot of great minds, um, at a really early age. That's cool. And, and the only good news about the golfing public 
is they're easy to murder because they have no clue. <laughs> so they accept right. anything you so yeah. So they don't know they were murdered. <laughs> so the beauty is, I did a lot of damage, right. but they don't know. So yeah. did I really? Did it? If a tree falls in the woods, kind of thing. Yeah, I found yeah. myself saying, "Oh, you got to get worse before you get better." A lot. Oh <laughs> yeah, the first uh, couple yeah. Years. And that's uh, yeah. That, that was my that was my cop out. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> future future uh, listeners that are getting into golf. You don't have to get worse no, before you get better. Shouldn't happen. If you, I say if your coach says that, run. Yes. <laughs> but right. So before we hear more about you, let's jump in here to Bushmill. Yeah. Uh, Bushmill is is the oldest distillery in Ireland. Oh. Um, they're in Northern Ireland, so uh, just uh, so they're not in the Republic of Ireland. Um, so I guess they're not British, but they're not Irish. Uh, so with Bushmill, um, this is kind of their kind of mid-step, they call it the Black Bush. It's actually their, um, kind of their intro whiskey, that, but they actually put it in a sherry cask. So it'll give you a little different, probably a little sweeter flavor on the mm. back end. Um, again, so again, if we go pricing, we're talking 25, 30 bucks, we're talking 30 to 40, give or take. So again, a little step up. So typically as it steps up, you tend to get more complexities. Mm. Uh, so usually the cheaper, the lower the bottles, because like with this one, it didn't sit in your mouth very long. It dried you out, and it just kind of exited. It just mm. left. Mm. And these are going to start to hang around a little mm. bit longer. And then, so we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes. So again, backup camera. Don't care. So what do you smell on that one and taste? Definitely sweeter to the smell mm -hmm. on me. Very smooth, <laughs> ridiculously smooth. That's crazy. Different flavor profiles though. I can taste the like the malts in the cereal because again, all these are very highly mm -hmm. malted, mm -hmm. so you're going to get that malt flavor, but definitely different. Doesn't burn. No. No dry mouth at the end, right? So completely different. Now, aging wise, this one's probably aged a little bit longer than this one. So, the longer it sits in the barrel, it tends to get smoother. Mm -hmm. Depend. Uh, Exceptions, I get it. You can yell at me later. Um, but typically, <laughs> if it ages a little longer, the barrel will help smooth things out. All of these are triple distilled, which means they run it through um, the distillation three times. And again, that's where Irishes get really smooth. Mm. Like a lot of bourbons are two, so they tend to be a little punchier. Um, so what are your thoughts on this one? I, I, I felt, I could be wrong, it was almost a little fruitier than the other one. It's a sherry cask, so you're getting that the notes from the sherry. Mm -hmm. So they'll take a used barrel that sherry was in, and they'll age it for a year mm -hmm. or so with that. So you'll start to get a little of the wine yeah. note. Yeah. So that's a the Irish were brilliant. The Irish were the first to really say, back in the '70s, '80s, and '90s, whiskey almost died, as because really? vodka took over. The clear spirits were cheaper to make. You don't have to age them for decades. Right. Uh, so the Irish said, hey, the distiller said, let's start doing crazy stuff. So they, the sherry market collapsed. So France had huge amounts of sherry barrels and sherry, and they had nothing they could do with them. So they were buying the barrels for nothing, and they started to, to do cognacs and sherries and, and oh ports. Gosh. So they were using failing uh, alcohol businesses to kind of resurrect theirs because uh, it really got to the point with Irish whiskeys. They were down to about three or four distilleries in the entire mm. country. That's how bad whiskey kind of collapsed. Mm. Uh, right now we're in the golden age again, finding whiskeys that get really expensive now. 
don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but but again, I think the, the really cool part is yeah. back in the night, they had to make a change. They had to do things different. And I think that's so good with golf is that, that intention of if it's not working, you got to do something different. I'm, you know, too many pl- players come to me and say, I want to get better at this. And then they, they're like, well, I'm not going to change. Well, well, you're not going to get better. You're going to be what you are right now, six months from now and a year from now. So, but to to the credit of their entire kind of industry, they they had to they had to pivot and and kind of recreate themselves. Mm. And I think the golf industry has done a pretty good job. I think I grew up in the '80s as kind of my time when I learned to play golf. Started, well, I never really took a lesson. When I kind of started to play golf, was kind of 80s, early 90s. The video camera was king. Uh, everyone thought oh that they were going to solve the world, and <laughs> call, I think it probably caused more issues than not. Without uh, doubt. Yeah, because God, if you put the camera in the wrong place, you got video cameras that couldn't record very fast, and so we're getting bowing and parallax effects. So your clubs are doing inverted. It doesn't really happen that way, but you mm-hmm. would see it. So there was a lot of issues there, but but the revolution of technology into coaching. I think really kind of took off 90s through the 2000s. Then all of a sudden came radar systems and 3D systems yep. and six degrees of motion systems and boom, boom, boom. Yeah. All this great information. But I think the funny part is, is coaching didn't change with it. Um, My favorite quote is, I think, a Stuart Morgan quote. It's, yeah. we're stealing, in, we're, we're in a space age technology with Stone Age pedagogy. Yes, that's pretty. <laughs> it cool. hasn't. It hasn't. They haven't yeah. come together. No, right? and I think I think I think we got two factions. You got the old people that are like, oh, I'm not going to ever use any technology because it's just, blah, blah, blah. and then you have the young people going, I got all this technology. I know everything. Right. You might know everything about what's moving at that moment in time and what that is, but to be able to give that to a player mm. and them to digest it and understand it and own it and then be able to apply it, but just not apply it in practice and on the range when I'm seeing them, but being able to apply it inside of tournaments, inside of pressure. I think we as an industry have really dropped the ball. So I think the the old curmudgeons, I think, have done really well with a lot of that, but they could be such better coaches, giving better information, maybe moving players faster. And a lot of young coaches now are like, let me tell you, old man, this is how it works. (laughs) Yeah, okay, but I'm watching your player. You've had him for a year now, and I'm looking, and his scores are exactly the same. His right. P6 to P6.5 is beautiful. Yeah. But does that hold up when he's shooting 83 every time? Just yeah. asking. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think human nature is we, we teach oftentimes what we want to teach. We don't teach the what the student needs to learn. And that's been the great thing with GameForge is that it's given us such a clear answer to what does the student need. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's been... By far, I had a great example today. I went from a guy who's almost a plus handicap. He's basically scratch. And the very next lesson was a complete beginner. Yeah. And so in one, in one session, right, I'm showing him this, right, starting to go there. In my, other, in my big, complete beginner session, <laughs> we're here, yeah. right? And so super, super different conversations, very, very different ways of going about that because your requirements are different. Just to get it somewhere in here is a much different lesson than to get it somewhere in there and at the frequency that he needs to get it in there too. So it's like, it was really, really fun, really rewarding just because uh, I now feel like I'm so much more able to just 
be a chameleon and just flip-flop between, okay, this this person just needs to, it's a race to the green. Like, hey, can we just get the ball on the green Amen. more efficiently? Yeah. Um, whereas this one over here, like, he was pretty much inside his dispersion. Like, he came for a full swing lesson, and really it wasn't much of an issue to solve. Yeah. And it was more of a conversation, all right, all right how are you practicing? You know, mm -hmm. what are you actually keeping stats? Are you aware of what's going on in your game? And he had no idea. So literally, the, se does. the session was is like, sign up for Game Forge. Yeah. And it was like almost perfect <laughs> perfect timing. I was like, <laughs> and I did not plan it out that way. But it was like, hey, like, I'm going to, like, you, literally your session today is you need to start tracking your stats yeah. when you go play. Um, and, and that was it for the most part. Yeah, and I, I showed him some stuff about how to practice. Like he was not including any sort of variability or any sort of time in between um, when he was practicing. And I think that was that was one of the big things. That I, I practiced from perfect away. lies, and yet the golf course, I struggle. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I do not understand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It was. Um, it was. Yeah. I, I find like I've got a couple misses around where it's um, this ball starting. He's a lefty. Ball starting left and, and fading. And so I asked him, I was like, okay, so is it like just a couple? He's like, yeah, it was just like twice around. I was like, all right, well, do we really need to be spending an hour working on something that's only happening occasionally? Yeah. And if it happens more than that, what are you doing in your practice to solve it? Yeah, he's like, well, I feel like I just don't turn enough in my backswing. I'm like, okay, well, first, have you tried to hit the opposite shot? Like, have you yeah. tried to, to do, do the opposite? Do something different. Right? <laughs> And had no idea. I said, okay, yeah. so I'm just going to give you the task of can you hit the opposite shot of what you're hitting? And it just took him a little bit, and he was able to. Yeah. And he looked back. He's like, I don't know what I did. I was like, perfect. That's the point. You don't have to. <laughs> we don't have to. Like, we can make this complicated. Yeah, no one trusts us. In golf industry, we, we become experts at making yes. it complicated. I was like, but I don't think we need to. No, I, I agree. And I, I think it's really funny. Well, when he was doing this, this, you can actually use fingers for dispersions. If you want to learn more, call Robin. <laughs> Take a lesson. I'm not going to give it away free. Yeah, yeah. Or you can find some inside of fuel if you yeah. dig around a little yeah. bit. Uh, but I think it's really funny, again, because uh, my son started playing during COVID. Uh, I'm not yeah. a full swing guy anymore. Uh, I haven't taught full swing in 15 years. The last player I taught full swing was Lauren Coughlin at UVA when she was a red shirt freshman. So that ages, that's a, more than a decade, right? So that was, then I went into putting and short game. So my son's learning to play golf and everyone goes, well, I bet your son can putt. We haven't even talked about it. <laughs> Not relevant. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking? I'm like, look, he's shooting in the nineties. 60 of the shots are coming from approaches. Correct. 30 some are coming on the putting green. If I get him really good on the putting green, maybe he's averaging 36. If I get him to 33, he's only picking up three shots. So he goes from 94 to 91. That is <laughs> not what we need to attack. And yeah. people literally looked at me like, you're effing crazy. And I'm like, it's not what changes the needle. It's not what he needs. So I got him to a point where I got so frustrated I couldn't go any further. And luckily Rob said, let me take that frustration from you. And he's uh, <laughs> my son's gone from shooting in the... 90s to in a year getting in the low 80s shooting upper 70s right now and now he's starting to toy, toy around with ideas of maybe trying to play collegiate golf at a smaller yeah. school kind of thing so but again the concept of a good coach understands what the player needs and kind of facilitates that and I think to me every time I see Rob and he inter interacts with my son the first question he always asks is what do you need right and that is for any new coach that's the best question you can ask what do you need? What are you thinking? Uh, 
you as a coach, if you're keeping stat, you know what needs to be moved. But for that player to take ownership and say, I think I need to work on this and this, and you, know, you go, let's go do that. And inside of that, you can kind of push them in where you want them to go and, and change things. But again, gone are the days of do it this way. This is what I tell you, and Correct. this is what it is. Or you're going to get worse before you get better kind of thing. That, that is not education. That is not good coaching. So I'm always impressed. Like I said, every time I see Robin, and sometimes it's funny because I'll see him and I'll see him having a discussion in his head. He's like, <laughs> how do I want to phrase it? Like, I can literally see him process yeah, and I'm yeah, just yeah. kind of smiling. Yeah. Often my son never notices, but I'm just in there going, he's trying to figure out the right word right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but to me, again, I think that the beauty of, of coaching and, and is, and you said it, is adaptability, being able to change. All these whiskey companies changed, right? They created, you know, They've been doing it for 400 years, and they've had to change a bunch to recreate what they needed to do because the public's changed. And then we as instructors have to do a really good job of, of staying up to date and be willing to change. And I think a, the big piece, I think why the whiskey market's so cool is people want to learn the history. They want to learn the traditions. They want to learn what it is I'm drinking. It's much more than just, it's much more than this brown liquid. It, you know, there's craftsmanship. There's artisanship. Mm. There's all kind of stuff going inside of this. Years and years of tradition. Golf is the same way. There's years and years of tradition. So what I'm starting to think and, and kind of my, uh, I guess, theorem is I think we're starting to get pushback from technology. I think we're starting to get golfers, just the general public's just starting to get fed up with technology. Not that we don't want to get rid of technology, but I think there's starting to be a little push and we're starting to kind of push away from technology a little bit. And I think that's going to bring the, the coaching side Again, where you talk to them, they, they're going to start to merge a little bit better because gone are the days that you, like I've literally watched, I, I watch coaching anywhere I go around the world. If someone's given a lesson and I'll just sit and listen, sit off to the corner. I watched an entire 50 minute lesson where the coach never looked at the player. All he did is look at the box. Oh my gosh. And I'm just sitting here going, you're coaching a person. No, you're coaching a person. <clears throat> you're not coaching a box. Um, so, so again, that, that concept of, but that's, I think, again, everyone thinks technology is the key. It's, it's a big help, but again, their interactions with human beings, interactions with the athlete, and you've got to get that feedback and their understanding. So, like I said, I think all those technologies are still going to be used. They're still going to be utilized, but I think the masses are starting to come back away, um, yep. which is good. I, th- I think it, technology, if used appropriately i think is extremely extremely valuable and one thing that gets lost is the most important time to use technology is when the player is playing their best yeah to figure out here's what's going on yeah right because here's what you're doing good right now who am i to say what's correct for a player right yeah if the ball is getting in the hole at their at their goal right at their at or above their skill level then what they're doing is is functional yeah right so we need to figure out what they're doing in that moment yeah. Right. So that when they go off somewhere else, we have something to reference. Yep. Um, you know, with uh, with your son, we used TrackMan one day just to just for feedback. We looked at one number, launch angle. Yep. That was it for with wedges, and that was literally the only thing we we're looking at. I was like, okay, j- we're just going to quantify your feel of like, okay, if you do this, launch angle's this. If you do that, launch angle's that. It doesn't need to be, you yeah. know, the 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 TrackMan does not tell you what to solve. Like, it doesn't tell you what needs to change it just tells you what's happening yep um it's a reporting system it is a reporting system and i think 
too many, like you said, too many coaches are just looking at the data, looking at the data, looking at the data without first looking at the human first. Yeah. So. And, and <clears throat> worse than that, not even looking at performance on the golf course. Right. Yeah. You hit the best high draw I've ever seen. I can't break 90. Yeah. So what are we trying to do? Be the best high draw player on earth? Right. Or do you want to go out and shoot a score in golf? And yes. it's, to me, there's my, I beat my head a lot because I have a lot of conversations with a lot of young coaches. I'm like, what is your goal? Right. Is your player trying to get better? If that is our goal, we've got to train to get better. We can't, don't have to train. And I think a lot of, yeah, I think in the 90s and 2000s, and there was a lot of models on how to swing. Yep. And everyone kind of fell into these different models. And if you fit the model, it worked great. If it, you didn't fit the model, you were in trouble. Uh, and again, most models, about 10 to 20% fit it pretty well. And the, mm -hmm. the other 80 tend to kind of <laughs> start hitting snap hooks over on the corner of the range. Yeah. Uh, but again, that, that concept of, I think, again, kind of like the golden age of, of whiskeys right now, people are learning more about whiskeys. I think we're going to go into the golden age of golf coaching. Uh, everyone thought the technology was the golden age. I don't think so. I think that was the precursor. I think the golden age is getting ready to come. Now people are going to start to apply coaching as well as technology and really bring those two yep. together better. Because right now it's, yeah, it's a little... yeah quirky yeah at best Definitely. um all right so number three my favorite of them all again i you can never go wrong with to me now everybody has different flavors and different tastes but this is red breast it's a blended whiskey it's uh and toasted oak sherry finished it's just a good whiskey um so this was probably my first higher end whiskey on my shelf again flavor wise notes have changed what do you smell on that one? All three have smelled very, very similar to me. Yes. The do. taste changed a little bit, yeah. definitely on that one. To me, this has gotten sweeter. They're all sweet. They're all Irishes, and they're, these two are sherry finished, so they're all mm -hmm. sweet. But, but to me, I'm actually picking up more floral notes from this than I did, like, none from uh, Tell Them Where I love them. So what's a, what's a, no, what's a floral note? Floral note would be... <laughs> Flowers of some sort, with like a okay, you know, something blooming, springtime. Okay, kind of a kind of if you walked into Lowe's in early spring when they have all the plants are like all their flowers are blooming, you're getting that floral note that it's a flowering kind of note. Um, but again, I get tons of malt too. Like I, I'm a cereal guy, I eat cereal like every morning for breakfast. What's your go-to? Oh man, I change so much. <laughs> uh, if I want just crappy. <laughs> I'm gonna go um, Fruit Loops. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Lucky Charms would be my. Those are my yeah. two go-to crappies. Uh, I eat lots of granolas. Um, mm -hmm. There's a blueberry granola one that I really like. But yeah, if I'm going just straight up trash. Yeah. Lucky Charms and Fruit Loops, man. Yeah. I can eat a whole box in like three days, man. Just I was a big Apple Jacks fan. Yeah, Apple Jacks is you know kind of like the cousin of the Fruit Loops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ugly cousin. Yeah, ugly cousin. The redheaded cousin. <laughs> Nice. So God, get I a... still can't get floral out of that. That's okay. But... Mm. Mm. Changed, didn't it? Super, super different. <laughs> so maybe not quite as smooth as that. Okay, you thought Bushmill was smoother? Cool. Yeah. Maybe. No, it's fine. They're both really smooth. There's no right or again, it's like the golf swing. There's no right or wrong. You're you're <laughs> tasting what you taste. Just because you're wrong, it's fine. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. To me, this has more complexity. 
Mm. Um, so there's different flavors at different times. Mm. To me, this is, it tastes like it tastes. It just goes down. I think this one starts to give you, on the front of the tongue, like when you first taste it, you get a lot of sweet. Yeah. You get, it's really smooth, but it kind of just disappears. Mm -hmm. This one I get sweet on the front. I get some other pieces moving, mm -hmm. dry a little bit, and then it just sits on my tongue. So I would say this is more of an oily finish. It, it hangs out. Mm. Where, like I said, tell me to do, you took it, you saved it, and it just disappeared. Yeah. It's just gone. Like this one will hang around for a little bit. I love I love red bear. So I could sit down and drink this any day of the week at any time, even nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I would have no problem. Um, but again, uh, red breast bushmill is when I make old fashions. My favorite old fashioned comes with bushmill. Mm. I love the flavor with that. It's, it's got that little bit of sherry, a little bit of bite. Um, works really well. And like I said, red breast is. So, so again, the, the beauty is there's no right or wrong. It's what you like. You're totally right. It's staying on way longer. Yeah, it hangs around. That's so interesting. It's just, again, a little bit different. So, again, price points, we go from, you know, 20s to about 65, 70. So you're kind of spanning the gamut. Um, but, again, there's a lot of low-end whiskeys that I love. Like, I like, there's a lot of, like, now don't go well. So we're not talking, like, really cheap, like, $8 a bottle. It's not going to taste good because it's $8 a bottle. But as you kind of start moving up the Pantheon, there's a lot of $20, $25 whiskeys that are really, really good. Mm -hmm. And again, just because it's like golf equipment too, you don't need to go buy a $100 bottle and go, I'm going to buy the $600 driver. It's going to solve everything. <laughs> well, the only, thing it, that. the only thing it's solved is your bank account $600 less. That's right. Or you have more credit card uh, damage. Yeah. But, but again, to me, I think... Uh, you know, to me, more floral, more more vanilla in this. I'm just getting more of everything. Uh, but again, like I said, the Bushmills, I like Bushmills as well. Mm. So of the three, what was your favorite? Probably this last one. Real Red Breast is good. Yeah, I think, again, the beauty of all, they're all... They all have their purposes, just like golf shots. All swings, all, they all have purposes. They're all a little different, but it's amazing what you can do with all of them. And again, if you think about it, they're all basically made the same. They're, they're all blended, so they're all different whiskeys brought together. It's not a single pot still or mm -hmm. thing like that. So they're all blended. They're all <laughs> malted. So recipes are very similar. Aging, this is 12 years. This is probably five or six. Mm -hmm. Summer is probably about three. So we're getting a little bit of aging differences. But again, if you th look at their core, they're the same, but they taste radically different, which wow. is kind of interesting. So what do they change? What do they? Yeah, like what's the factor that changes usually? Like you said, you've talked about the barrel. Yeah, before. the barrel, the environment, how long it's in the barrel. <laughs> uh, even like at a Rick house where they store them, there's certain floors and certain mm -hmm. parts of the storage makes it better. Than, than that's other, crazy because of the environment because of the way the air moves through that that part of the building it can actually change the wow. flavors and this is where i think whiskey is really cool because if you go to any distillery nowadays it's technology ridden it's yeah. golf right the actual production of the distillant the spirit that comes out clear yeah is so technologically advanced mm -hmm. and then they put it in a barrel and it's nothing but people 
They're mm. moving the barrels around, they're tasting it, they're sampling it over wow, time, yeah. adding pieces, subtracting pieces, moving mm. it, doing all that. So to, again, this is where I think golf and whiskey are very funny together because I think the same thing, technology's overridden golf until you get on the golf course. And then all that technology is nowhere to be seen because you can't use it. Yep. And then it's just you and clubs versus the golf course and environment. And so I think that the interesting piece is that, again, it's, it's the person, it's, mm. it's the athlete, it's the distiller that's sampling, testing, and, and using their, their abilities to post a score, to create a cool barrel, opposed to then going around and um, everything being technological. It's not. It's, it's, it always comes back to the human being. Inside of golf, it comes back to that player being able to hit a golf shot. It comes back to the fact that there's a distiller that's blending different whiskeys to give you this flavor. Because again, red breast has to taste the same every time you get it, right? That's what they're. That was going to be my first question: yeah. is like, as with as much in there that can change it, how much variability are you seeing? From Not a bunch uh, really, on the yeah. blended. No, if you do a single, like a barrel proof, where it comes straight out of a barrel, you can get huge taste mm. differences. The mash is the same, like everything going into it is relatively the same, it just does different. So what they do with these is they take tons and tons of different whiskeys and they blend it all together and they'll add coloring so it looks the same and tastes relatively the same every time you get it. So no matter where in the world you go, and Red Breast 12 is gonna roughly taste like that. It might be a little variability, mm -hmm. but it's gonna taste like that. Wow. Where if you, like I said, you do a single pot, it can, in a single barrel and they pour it straight out of the barrel mm -hmm. into a bottle. It can be different. Yeah. So, but again, there's there's craftsmanship where they have to blend it and bring this all. And then, right. to me, that's that's the golf coach. We're we're the blenders. We're we're taking all these pieces, giving it to the player to ingest and create. One hundred percent. There are some things that absolutely have to be present. Yep. Right. You have to have a centerness of strike. Yep. You have to have a face loft path attack angle sort of yep. relationship, and you have to have a speed relative yeah. to the shot that you're trying to play. Like. Those are, those are the fundamentals. Those are what has to be in place for a golf shot to be successful. Yeah. Um, but the way you achieve that, <laughs> right? There are yeah. so many different it's ways. too many ways. You can't even catalog right? it. Can't even catalog it. And that's why the, the variability of movement has to be taken into account in how we're coaching. Is yeah. that if we're trying to, like you said, if we're trying to fit people into boxes, you might help some. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you hope it's the right one right. and they become world's yeah. number one and you yeah. become the smartest coach in history yep and we can talk about <laughs> we can talk about that um, no we won't but uh yeah no i i, I think it's really really interesting the kind of like the parallels for yeah sure. no i agree and like i said there was a reason this show came about because as i was getting into whiskey and researching it more i just kept i was like oh that's so kind of the golf industry it's mm. it's about again it's it's about more than just the technology of creating a, a, a whiskey or creating a, a motion to hit a ball. You know, it's being able to hit the ball when the shot you need under the lie conditions, under the stresses, under, like Rory at the Scottish, when he hit that freaking low two iron, like that was just ridiculous. Like, oh my gosh. that was just all the pieces coming together. And I don't, you know, it's not a shot you would train a ton, right? but he understood what had to happen, what had to move. And and just hit the most spectacular shot on earth. And you know, that's when I sit down and that's, to me, that's, that's the, the whiskey maker where he's got the perfect barrel and he knew and he pours this bottle and he's like, I could not have done any better than that bottle yeah. right now yeah. under these circumstances. Yeah. And that's that same golf shot. So again, I, you know, 
as I've gotten older, I understood technology. I still like it, um, but I'm less, I lean on it much less than I used to. Uh, I'm more about coaching the human and then adding the pieces and we can always fill in technology gaps. Um, and that's what I've been working on probably the last five, six years of my coaching and I'm still working on it because I was really, you know, do it this way, do it that way. This is what, do it, do it, do it. I'm really working hard on, okay, step back, let them figure it out. Don't yeah. give them the answers, you know, teach them to fish, you know, is the best proverb, right? Teach them yeah. to fish, they eat for a lifetime. You give them a fish, they eat for a day. Yeah. Uh, it's that same kind of thing. So inside of coaching, it's that, that ability to make them a little bit better and, and let them drive the boat. And again, if you do that and you get them to buy in, mm-hmm. coaching sessions are so much more fun. 100%. The interactions are not... Because then they're not... If, if they if they hit one like they don't like, they're not looking back at you saying, what, what, what did I do wrong? It's right? the worst thing. If, if your players are looking at you going, what happened? You're, you, you're done. You need to reassess how you're <laughs> teaching them. Because, yeah. again, that's not learning. That's... For them to learn, they've got to go, okay, this do this now. The answer to that is, well, do something different. Right. Okay. I don't know what would happen, but can you do something different? And if that happens, you better believe I'm going to hit them right back with a question. Yeah. It's like, okay. Questions are your friend as a coach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what, Gareth McShay, thank you. Yeah. He's worn me out for a long time on that. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, again, the questions are just ask good questions, open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. Don't put them in a box. Nope. But you'll be amazed on how much faster a player picks up. So, so Redbreast was your favorite. Do you want to try something Completely 180, <laughs> just a itty bitty taste. Just let's, to see let's do it. Let's something do it. completely yeah. different. Yeah, because I liked all three of those. Like well, I, you, I you did not like this one too. I didn't think I was. I'm not going to give you a bullet. I'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a whiskey show, right? Not a, yeah. Well, uh, I guess. Wait, no. What is it? All whiskeys are bourbons. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> all bourbons are whiskey. All bourbons are whi- okay. So bullet not, is a whiskey. Yes. Okay. Actually, right. it is a bourbon. Um. With with a high rye count. Okay. All right, so we'll do another. This is a different Irish, so I'll be nice. I won't even punch it. But this is a well, probably my favorite. If you can tell, the bottle's kind of yeah <laughs> leaving quickly. Yes. Uh, what is it? Drum Shambo. Okay. No, not Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> uh, trust me, I would not drink that. <laughs> uh, but this is a, a little higher. It says about eighty-eight proof, so it's a little more alcohol. Mm. Different flavors. I'm not getting the sweetness off the... Mm-mm. Completely different taste. To me, back end, I get tons of vanilla and oak. I get that at the back end. And again, Irishes tend to be pretty blondish. Like, they don't get Whoa. super dark, right? That was different. So if I hold up <laughs> wild yeah. turkey rare breed... You can, color's super yeah. different. So you can kind of see, and with American bourbons, <clears throat> they can't add coloring at all. But but again, super different, right? Would you say this is smokier? I would. I get it. I get a little smoke. I get. I think it's in the really charred oak barrels. I'm getting. Mm. I get oak. I get vanilla. But yeah, this is probably my favorite of the non. Mm. I don't think it's a single pot. Well, you're totally correct in giving me the sweet stuff. So this is actually, really yeah, so that. this is a single pot. So okay. this is uh, straight. So yeah, this is not blended. Um, it's a single pot. Uh, what does that mean? So single pot means it comes, there's, it comes out of the one 
-hmm. distillation process. Mm -hmm. So it's basically single pot, put in a barrel, cut, put in the bottle. So it's not blended. Um, really, to me, again, it's, it's all barley. Uh, it's all barley, a little bit of oats. So again, just a different take on, on the Irish. Again, very similar. Just higher proof? Made. A little bit. It's about 86, I think. 43% alcohol, give or take. But again, to me, I'm getting a little more smoky, a little more spice, mm -hmm. a little spicier, more like Christmas cinnamon cookies and kind of that kind of baking mm. spices, not pepper. I'm not getting pepper. No, it's not pepper. Yeah, so it's more like nutmegs <laughs> and cloves. So I'm getting, which goes really well because with malted, you're thinking breads. So you're kind of going like Christmas loaf kind of kind of thing. This would be less malted than the other? They're the same. Oh, okay. Same, but the processing, they went through a single pot still mm -hmm. um, where these are just blended whiskey. So they could have come from pots or they could have mm -hmm. come from column stills or whatever. So, mm. but, but this is more traditional Irish. So pot stills are traditional Irish. So yeah, again, just kind of a, a, yeah. a goofier version of the Irish. Yeah. And that's the beauty of, like I said, I get so excited to try a whiskey because I don't know what it's going to taste like. Mm -hmm. I just go in completely just open-minded that's why blind tasting and, and not to read notes. Like you can go to Red Breast and the master distiller will be like, you should taste this, this, and this, smell this, this, and this. I like to do that after the fact, after I try it myself, and then go, oh, now, oh, I should have tasted this or that. Mm. Oh, crisp green apples or what, you know, I did not see that at all. But then you can go back and try to find those later. Mm. Uh, but yeah, to me, it's just, everyone is just, distinctly just a little bit different just a little bit different and that's the every fun student part. every student <laughs> thank you a bit different. everything's just a little bit different and i think like the equivalent to that would be like be trying like when i whenever i get a student my like one of my big big, big things i'm huge on is that you have to be able to use your intention to change those skills right low yeah. point where's the low point Where's my face relative to my path? And then what's my speed? So I will, with literally every student, I will just say, okay, can you show me that you can change these variables intentionally? Yeah. Um, and I will almost do that without fail relative to whatever student that I have. Now I'm asking them to do it maybe with different tolerances, but with every student I'll have, I'll basically try them out and see how yeah. skillful they are. Because if I don't do that, like I had a really, really weird one the other day where we've been working together and, trying to change a, a pattern where the face gets really open and, and early downswing. And <clears throat> she's came and said that, oh, I start having a contact error. So, okay, so we're going to just do some of the contact games and we're going to see what happens. Well, for whatever reason, literally when I asked her to try to hit the heel, whereas yeah. like she, I asked her like, hey, can you get the low point too far away from you too far forward? She started closing the face. Hmm. Like, makes no sense. I had no idea why. That's the main camera. Yeah, it's okay. We got <laughs> side cameras and yeah. yeah, don't worry about it. We'll, um, we'll finish it up. But it's like, I had no idea, like you said, you have no idea what you're going to taste. I had no idea prior to that, that that intention for where the low point was going to be was going to, however her brain interpreted that task, yep. was going to change what she did with a club face. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, like now I know I can use that. Yeah. So like if for whatever reason she starts to open up the face again, I said, okay, we're gonna just do some contact drills, try to see if you can get the low point a little further away. Yeah. And 
you know, that absolutely changed her. She had, I asked her, I was like, Hey, what were you trying to do? Can you describe to me how you were trying to get the low point out there? She's like, I, I was just trying to get the low point over there. Beauty and her, then the face changed. Beauty I had don't have to know. no, like, and it was more, I was asking questions more for my curiosity. Cause yeah. it was like, Hey, like, can you describe anything that you were trying? Like, because I didn't know, like, why did that face just change? Yeah. No. <laughs> it made no sense. But you don't know unless you try and ask them to do some yeah, of this different and stuff. Motor, and their motor pattern just created it. And right. if it's a benefit, it's okay. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. it's okay. So we're going to wrap this yeah. up. Uh, my battery Sorry, just got Sorry, you got a tangent. We'll, we'll, do a, uh, we'll do a little after with the side cameras. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll continue this dialogue. But since my main camera just decided to cut off for whatever effing reason, I don't know. It's driving me crazy while I'm getting ready to buy a new camera. Uh, We'll wrap this show up. Thank you, Rob, for joining us, and thank you all for spending time. Thank Rob, you. just tell us where they can find you online, uh, where they can reach out to you, uh, get instruction. Yep. So I'm on Instagram at Coach Rob Fails. I've just started a Threads account. That's the competitor to Twitter or X or whatever you yeah, call it. Whatever it is I don't now. really use that too much, but no, um, Coach Rob Fails on Instagram. That's where I'm at mostly. Um, yeah, and then if you have inquiries about lessons or sessions at Boar's Head, um, you can find me on the boarsheadresort.com site. Cool. Thank you so much. So just for fun, since we have the cameras rolling, yeah. let's just be me. <laughs> We're going to go wild turkey rare breed. Okay. So this is going to be... This is about one This is, uh, is going to be real different? Yeah. This is going to This is a bourbon. So this is... Well, now I know how to drink it. Because before I was just knocking it back. Yeah, no, this is wild turkey. So this is rare breed. This is uh, they're barrel proof. So it comes, they fill the barrel, mm -hmm. they open up the barrel, and they literally just start pouring them in a bottle. Yeah. So that's why it's, yeah, it's 58. That's what, 116? Mm. So these were 80. Yeah. So we're talking 30% <laughs> change. But, but again, a bourbon. So bourbons are going to give you caramel. They're going to give you sweet because it's corn. Mm. So their main ingredient is corn, and then they'll have rye, wheat, or barley. Almost every whiskey has a barley because barley is great for the um, distillation process. Mm -hmm. it creates sugar really well. So most whiskeys do have some sort of barley. Like the Irish is have thirty to one hundred percent. American would be four to eight percent mm -hmm. barley. Just again, more so to kind of create the sugars yeah. because yeast eats sugar to make alcohol. So that's the the beauty of it. But but again, smells completely different. Smell the alcohol, first off. <laughs> it's a little meaner. But again, I'm getting a lot of... things. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of caramel. I'm getting... Again, you get that... So yeah, this one's going to have a little more fire. Mm. Fire. Fire water. <laughs> so again, this is... We just crossed the threshold. Yeah, no. So this, this would be high-octane bourbon. So this yeah. is what you tend to see. American bourbons tend to be brasher. Yeah. tend to be more because it's corn-based, so it mm -hmm. tends to be sweeter. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it, it, right? Much more of that where, again, the Irish, as I always say, you know, the Irish proverb is there's no such thing as a stranger. It's just a friend I haven't met yet. Yeah. Right? So that's yeah. the Irish whiskeys. Like yeah. You can kind of roll through the Irishes, uh -huh. and they're all pretty friendly. Yeah. Now you can get some that are really peated or whatever. But typically with the American bourbons, you get a little reflux. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> put hair on your chest, my grandfather used to say. Yeah. Put hair on your chest. Uh, but again, this is, so here's the gamut. It's just like, there's just 
like I sat down with John Pond last night. Uh, he's a bourbon head. He loves mm-hmm. bourbons, and I'm less bourbony. I like them, but I'm I'm trying to appreciate them more. Uh, but so for him, it was like last night we were. 124, 125, mm. like, boom, all big. Mm. And they're all very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just different. It's Again, it's different. But smells, like I said, to me, I get a lot of vanilla. I get a lot of caramel out of this. And then I get a lot of, I get some pepper. Mm. I get some pepper. I get some burn from the rye. Mm-hmm. Mouth goes dry, and it hangs around. That's crazy. So, again. So different than the iron. And then if you look, something they call legs. So, like that. When you finish down the side, you'll see these little legs that uh-huh. kind of run. If they stick around for very long periods of time, because your alcohol level is really high, mm. so the viscosity else, so it runs really slow. Mm. Like these, I don't really. Yeah, there's not much leg there. No, that's crazy. Yeah. There's all like nothing yeah. still left on so, it. So yeah, but the well, the higher proof it tends to. So again, that's the that's the goofiness of it all. Uh, so there's so much to it, and again, it's just like golf. There's just so much to it. But well, Rare Breed is probably of the bourbons is one of my favorites. This is the one that we drink. If you watch the Around the World with with Gary, Mark, and Chris George stumbled into that, felt so bad for Chris. Chris is like, "Yeah, I'm in town." This thing is. He's like, "Can I come on by?" We're like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> my wife's like. Macy can drive him to the hotel if he needs a ride because <laughs> the guys are staying. Mm. So, like, Garrett was about to fall asleep. Mark's just like, ah, let's just finish. <laughs> and so we started, and I was like, well, let's do two just to get something on film because this is where I'm trying to go. And they're like, fine, we'll do two. And they're, like, grumpy. And, and then all of a sudden it ended up being not two. Uh, we did all five main countries, which we started in Ireland, went to Scotland, did American bourbon, then we went to Canada, and then we did Japan. Where are, where are Can- Canadians uh, doing? <laughs> Canadians are cool because the, Cana- yeah. the Canucks, um, they do a lot of blended. But, like, bourbons and the Irish and Scotch, they make a mash. So they'll put in malt with rye, with wheat, and they distill that way. The Canadians will distill just rye, just malt, mm-hmm. just wheat, just whatever. And then they blend everything together. So their whiskeys all taste different because it's all the different ones distilled by themselves and they blend that way. Where most of the other countries blend in a single mash. And then they'll add different versions of that whiskey or different barrels and create what they want. So Canada Canada tends to be really smooth. Mm-hmm. smoother than, A lot of times smoother than Irish. But since they're using corn, really sweet. Mm. So you get really sweet, really smooth yeah as i think gary said so i try might have to try this yeah <laughs> sorry as gary said canadian whiskey was like drinking whiskey when you don't want to drink whiskey it's uh-huh. very smooth i have crown royal like crown is their number one if you drink it it's uh-huh. it literally is just yeah it's just sweet smooth yeah it's fine yeah not my boat but yeah but if you go to any bar anywhere in the world crown royal is everywhere does this get sweeter the longer it's so like on the on the front end, I'm, I wasn't really getting hardly anything sweet. Mm-hmm. But then, like I haven't taken a sip in forty five, almost a minute now, and like it's lingered for that long. Now it's it's like now I'm tasting some sweet. I get pepper, spice is my on the front end, mm-hmm. like alcohol. Yeah, pepper, spice. Yeah, goes away, and then I get nothing but sweet. 
and yeah. a little bit of vanilla sitting on my tongue, like a candy. It's like yeah. a Werther's. It's like a Werther's candy. It's almost like it. Like I'm getting a caramel Werther, like the old people <laughs> Werther's candy. This is this is what this whiskey's doing to me. <laughs> right? It's I'm taking a drink. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. Put it down, and then I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I'm not gonna drink that. And then the longer it says, longer it says, longer it says, I'm like. <laughs> maybe I, maybe I will go back for another. I can't hit a high draw. I can't. I can't. Oh, I think I can. <laughs> I know I can. I'm gonna go. Back. <laughs> but it, but again, to me, that's yeah. the beauty of them. They're all. And again, like I said, if if you took, I mean, just a, 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 I mean, just try to put a drop or two of water in. All right, just as little as you can do. All right, it's gonna taste. I swear to God, it'll taste completely different. That makes it'll no be, sense. It'll, it'll be harsher. That makes absolutely no sense It's going to be a little harsher. Whatsoever. Harsher? Mm-hmm. First sip will be harsher, and then it'll change the flavor. <laughs> harsher? The second sip will be dramatically better. But that first sip, it gets... Mm. It, 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 it exposes flavors that are kind of covered up, so the water changes the molecular... All of it. So some people say the wow. only way to drink whiskey is with water. Some people say the only way to drink whiskey is without water. Wow. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. It's what you like, <laughs> right? But it does change it. So mm-hmm. if you put water in red breast, I can't stand it. I will not drink. Mm. It changes the flavor that much to me. I, it's just, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But some of them I put water in or ice cubes and mm-hmm. it's spectacular. So, but now well, that's, yeah, like, the, like, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. The ice. Now that it's settled a little bit, mm-hmm. that just took away a lot of the alcohol bite. So my drink just got a little smoother. 100%. Yeah, yeah. changes it. So this is why why people drink it on ice. Slowly melts, changes oh. the flavor. So the, here's the beauty well, of it. Well, why is it that, like, at first it's, like, way harsher, though? Because from what I understand is that there's notes in there that are kind of hidden. Mm-hmm. That just can't come through, but the water, once once you add the water into it, it just springs different yeah. flavors, just override the system. Yeah. So you just start pulling different flavors. That's why some people swear. Kind of most people I talk to, higher proofs, mm-hmm. they'll put a little bit of water to cut it. So you got to think about it when it comes out of a barrel. Now this is barrel proof, so whatever they age it at. So when they distill it, it's going to come out at like ninety five percent alcohol. Mm-hmm. Just like rocket fuel right yeah you can drive a car with it kind of thing <laughs> and then that's really strong and then what they do is then they'll put it in the barrel they'll age it uh they'll add water so they'll put it in the barrel and they'll add water and kind of get it to a whatever level they want to and then in the barrel it'll actually change as well but so really high proofs what you'll see is a lot of people add water just to kind of cut it to mm. cut the alcohol down mm-hmm. just a little and it doesn't take much because we're not drinking a lot so just a couple drops of water completely changes the <clears throat> The flavor profile so that's there's no again there's no right or wrong some people swear by it some people are like it's ruining the whiskey and to me it's just a different way mm. it goes back to it's just a different way and if it works for you but yeah it definitely like i said it changes it it's just weird mm. wow completely different the alcohol burn Cut. Way less. I got Almost second and third. Tons of pepper on that. I'm getting pepper, pepper, pepper. Really heavy spice. And the sweetness is still there. Still there. 
So yeah, this one finishes on Galaxy. So corn, you know, corn in the mash is just gonna give you sweet. Corn is like the ultimate sweet mm. grain. But so that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. How was your first samples of whiskey? Yeah. Pretty fun. It was fun. It's cool, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So you have to come back. Uh, Absolutely. And, and the number one rule of whiskey is you have to share. So anytime people come to your house, you, you just share. That's the, 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 the nature of whiskey is, is to share it. And if you ever go to any, this is like coaches say, you got to get worse before you get better. No, I will say there is one clause or caveat to this, but there's no such thing as we're saving that bottle for something. It, whiskey is designed to be shared and, and if, hey let's try this now if you have certain friends that are going to come over and don't really appreciate certain whiskeys it's okay to hide some yes like, i don't <laughs> want you sitting over here you know making whiskey sours with a 300 hundred dollar bottle of whiskey mm -hmm. um but or but overall like i said the, the cool part is, is it's you know like i said the camaraderie and 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 just like here's what i have just take what you want yeah kind of thing which is kind of a cool kind of subculture which is very not normal right now yeah as a society yeah. <laughs> here share no i take <laughs> me so but yeah to me uh it's just fun like i said here's the, yeah. the gamut of whiskeys i yeah. feel like i feel like now i know how like i literally like before this i had no idea yeah. like how to even drink it yeah. so now i feel like because I'm, I'm a I'm big into beer, like I, yeah. I like all the craft beer and, um, you know, ciders are fine. I like wine from time to time, but um, it opens up a whole new world, mm -hmm. so appreciate it. My wife just bought me this one. Haven't tried it yet. We'll try it another day. Yeah. Uh, it is... <coughs> Cider cask. Oh. So they actually aged it the last year in a cider barrel. Oh my gosh! So, uh, so that haven't had yet. That's going to be probably a really sweet yeah. uh, finish. But I think the really cool part is, like, the big distillers do what they do, and they do it really, really well. Yeah. Like if you get a wild turkey, wild turkey tastes like a wild turkey. Yeah, like they're really good at what they yeah. do. But like with the craft beers, whiskey's kind of going the same way. There's a lot of craft distillers now, mm. and they're and a lot of them are former. Uh, beer makers mm. so they're starting to use a lot of the same grains in mm. beer and making whiskey so it's getting really some real funky stuff yeah. out there which is really cool so it's, again it's it's moving the products doing it different and again i think what the craft distiller did the beer craft distillers are doing to the whiskey makers they're forcing them to change mm. because they're you know bud light's a bad example nowadays but like budweiser had to change and had to do things different because right. all these little craft people were starting to, right. you know, now granted they bought most of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they like, love that. They just eat them up. But, but that concept, it, it forced them to kind of change a lot of the components and, and see beer different. I think whiskey's kind of going through that same, mm. that same kind of push. For the worse or for the better? Depends. What do you <laughs> like? And for some people it's spectacular because a lot of whiskeys are not tasting like whiskeys. Mm. Now they're tasting like something completely different. So I think, you know, just like there's going to be some people going, this is the death, this is, but I think it's cool because it's different. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to like it, someone, yep. but that's life, isn't it? Yep. That's right. <laughs> Pretty much every day of our life, I like that, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, but, but to me, I think, uh, yeah, whiskey's fun. And like I said, the cool part is, like I said, we probably drank about a full drink, mm -hmm. like one and a half ounces. Yeah. So we didn't drink much. Yeah. 
drink responsibly. Uh, but the concept is, is like I said, I don't drink to get drunk. I drink to enjoy. Yeah, just because it's different. Like I said, I get excited every time I get a new bottle. I'm like, I can't wait to taste it. Like literally, I'll, I'll pour this much and just enjoy mm-hmm. it. Uh, I'm opposed to, you know, some people drink different intentions. Well, how long did it take for you? Because, you know, I was able to pick up a little bit on what yeah you were you're picking up on, but not nearly to that level. Like, how long did it take for you to really be able to pull out all those different? Uh, it probably took six months. Of okay, just trying it's not as dip- long as I thought. Yeah, it was trying be. different flavors. Um, like I said, the best thing you can do is. You can go to ABC stores and they have a bunch of the little, mm-hmm. like the little traveler bottles. Yep. You can get a bottle of that. Don't read on it. Don't do anything. Taste it. What do I smell? What do I taste? What? what how would I define it? And then go back and read the distiller. The distiller mm-hmm. says you should taste this. And sometimes they, you know, they're way out there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't get any of that. Um, but that's a cool way to kind of just go in blind because if you read it before. I can, you can kind of coach yourself. Yeah, I, I see that now. Or okay, I could, I could, kind of tell that. Oh gosh, this, right? You're talking. You, right now, you're talking about a level. Yeah, you're talking about a level and aim points. Yeah, yeah. Using like, using levels yeah, sometimes. It's yeah, like, it, it's better to, to to train and do without, and then to check. Use it after, as a check. Right. It's an after, and that's how I learn. Right. If I I do it, I feel it. I create it. I see it. It works. Okay, I put a level down, uh, but. To me, again, if if we're talking about, hey, what do you need as a player? Yeah. You need to experience and do it. Yes. And then go find the answer. Why. Right. And that's where I, I really like it. So I do a lot of blind tastings. There's a company I do mm-hmm. that sends me blind tastings every couple months. Oh, that's cool. Four brand new bottles. I like, like small ones? Yeah, right here. They're called, it's called Blind Barrel. Uh, I've done cool. two of them so far. So they send you... Yeah, they send you those bottles. Oh, cool. And then you, you taste them, and then you have a QR code. You scan it, and it gives you the whole breakdown of, of what it is. And then there, there's your tasting wheel. So they give you, those are some common tastes that you would see with whiskey. So if you're like, God, I taste something woody. I can't tell what it spicy, is. spicy, yeah. that gives you a, a sense of this is what you would typically see inside of a bourbon. So this... Okay, I got you. So you got yeah, it tastes like a cereal or a bread, and then it'll say, "Well, what grain is it? Is it a malt? Is it a rye? Oh, okay, is it a weed? Is it?" So you can start to. So the really funny thing is, John came in yesterday, and I can't tell you the, the manufacturer or who created it, right? So the first one we did, I was like, "God, I'm getting lots of spice, like pepper." It was a rye, and he was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, it was a rye whiskey." And then the next one he gave me was super sweet, mm-hmm. and I was like, "It has to be a weed." Because wheat is just sweet. Because you had corn and wheat together. Mm-hmm. It's just really sweet. And it was. It was 1792, I think, which was kind of a wheat bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third one was, the, the best was the third one. It was a 1998 Evan Williams, like a probably $8 bottle of whiskey in 1998. And it actually tasted pretty. I could tell it was lower alcohol. Like yeah. The other ones were way up there. This one was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell it was less. And I was like, less alcohol, less complex. I, I had no clue what it was. And it was yeah. just a, it was like the Telemadu the, from the 90s. Mm-hmm. It was really funny because yeah. it took me through the entire game. And I got, so I got classifications right. I didn't, yeah. but so the, the cool part is, like you said, if you take my wife 
and you put her, like, she pulls stuff out, like, her smells, it's like, women typically smell better and taste better than men. Mm. So, they tend to get, you know, I actually did research on that, it is true. Yeah, my, my wife, her sense of smell Yeah, it's crazy. nice, she goes, can't you smell that? And you're like, no. Because what, you know, what, traditionally the men was hunter-gatherers, and, like, where men beat women is we see motion better. So, mm. we see quick movement really fast. Like, we interpret that really well. Yeah. Women don't. Because yeah. that's not... And, you know, when the lion came, <laughs> there was one group that ran out to meet the lion, and there was one group that didn't. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of that is... Yeah. So that, that that concept of is... So it's really funny, but, like, my wife is spectacular. She'll like... I, you know, like, my daughter, we tasted one the other day, and she's like, let me try a little bit. And she goes, this tastes like bananas. I don't get bananas at all. And we read mm. the write-up, and it said banana bread. Wow. And I'm like, I don't taste bananas at all. So uh, I always say mine is like like redneck um, tastings. Like I get, (laughs) you know, I'm not the pretentious asshole. I taste the African (laughs) root of the... (laughs) It's sweet. It's not. I get maybe vanilla. But yeah. yeah. But I think that concept of, I think, now there's kits you can buy where you can like sniff the different... Mm-hmm. They're like sniffing kits, so you can sniff vanillas and all that, and then you taste it, and you're yeah. heightened sense, and you can yeah. pull out flavors, but uh, screw it. There's enough taste difference that I understood there's a difference, what it was. Yeah, I mean, even from whiskey to whiskey, for sure, but even, like, front end to back end, yeah. like, it changes, changes create, like... It just moves on your tongue. Um, my, my daughter's got me hooked on that Master Distiller show. Have you seen that? Uh, uh, Discovery Channel. Uh... There were moonshiners, mm. and so they're bringing in other moonshiners, and they're creating whiskeys on mm-hmm. whatever they're making some sort of alcohol on the spot. But they're saying, you know, they're like, I smell this front end, I taste this back end, I taste this. It's just really fascinating how kind of the how to create a whiskey and whatnot uh, or a, a spirit. But it's, it's really interesting. Beer, you get that to some degree. Beer and whiskey are very similar through the majority yeah. of the process. Yeah. You know, but, but it didn't. Beer doesn't go completely one eighty like this does. Yeah, like this. This yeah. goes so different. Yeah, I, yeah. Beer because of the hops and the you start changing the hop values and it you more start, like accentuates it. Yeah, you can kind or, of push it one yeah. way or the other. You now, like an IPA <laughs> tastes a lot different than a pilsner, and a pilsner tastes different than a you know a dark. So it, it, you, oh, can, yeah. you can start getting that swoosh. Yeah, no, I'm just talking about like the same drink. Yeah. From like when it first hits your, your yeah, mouth yeah, to no, when it's beer, done. Yeah, beer. Like beer it changes it maybe a flat. little bit. Yeah, it's but pretty, like this changes dramatically. Yeah, it, it depends. Like the Tillamook doesn't. It just kind of mm-hmm. gives you what it gives you. And it but this last one was crazy. Like the, the Walter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. Yeah. But yeah, what you also start to see is. Typically, higher proofs give you more complexity because mm-hmm. they're because you got to think it's coming out of the barrel pretty hot, mm-hmm. and for them to get it to eighty, what are they going to add? Water. It's going to mm-hmm. take the alcohol. It's going to take all those flavors and really kind of mm-hmm. mellow them, and some of them will just leave. Yeah. So higher proof out of the barrels, you tend to get more complexity. Not always, but you yeah. tend to get more complex flavors just because it's. You know, it's it's yeah. what it was. Right. It's, like I said, as soon as we added water, it completely changed that. That was crazy. And, and then uh, I had yeah 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 I did I thought it was BS. it makes no sense. No, it makes no sense. Either. 
but like I said, some people swear, you know, and so, you know, like I said, in the summertime, putting your whiskey on ice, some people, you know, it's awful, but I'm like, it's 95 degrees outside, I want to sit outside and enjoy whiskey, yeah. I'm not going to do it neat, just pour yes. a bottle at room temperature, yeah. ice is good, yeah. but, you know, some, you know, like anything, there's uh, extremes, I guess, yeah. <laughs> extremes, but, well, cool, I'm glad you enjoyed this, no, that was and, fun, uh, and uh, we'll do it again, like I said, I'm not, Hard to find. Absolutely. This has been a fuel production.